Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from one of the pastors here at The Rock. Well, tonight, I know all of us, because we're alive, (laughs) have relationships, right? We probably have some amazing relationships and some not-so-amazing relationships. So same thing for me. I have some amazing ones and not-so-amazing ones. And I have those relationships that throughout the years... Um, there's always been these certain relationships that just cause a little bit of trouble, right? They just make my soul a little bit, oh, you know, that maybe, let me help you to describe what I'm talking about. Um, let me describe to you what I'm trying to talk about. Instead of those relationships where you're like, you know, the communication doesn't seem so good. Uh, I'm, they're not, I'm not understanding what they're saying. They're not understanding what I'm saying. It seems like they're not making an effort. Why is it that in this relationship, I'm always the one who has to call? I'm always the one who has to invite. I'm always the one who has to text first. Why does it seem like I always have to take the initiative? And maybe you've gotten to the point where you even talked about your relationship. And they're like, I'm all in, right? I'm going to do this. We're going to make this work. This is going to be amazing. And then they, they walk away and it's like, did they mean any of it? They haven't changed. They keep doing the same thing. They're not making an effort. And there's a little bit of frustration in that relationship. But I'm going to tell you, when I come to God with that complaint, Lord, I don't understand this relationship. Things aren't going well. You know what the Holy Spirit whispered to me? Exactly. <laughs> exactly, Teresa. You want to spend more time with me? Why do I always have to go first? When are you going to take the initiative? When are you going to invest more time? I'm right here. I'm waiting. I haven't moved. So as I suffer in the relationship in the flesh and feel that conflict, the Spirit of God uses that to draw me to Him, right? He uses that to show us that He's also in a relationship with us. He has also been given to us. I mean, didn't Jesus say it is better that I go so that the Holy Spirit could come and be with us, right? I mean, maybe you're here today and you're a new believer and you're not sure what is the Holy Spirit's job in my life, the Spirit of God that dwells within me. So let's just remember some of those things, right? If you want to review, you can write this down. Read John 14, 15, and 16. And Jesus describes in these chapters who the Holy Spirit is for us and to us and his function as we walk through life, our relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, right? I just went and picked out a couple of those descriptions that Jesus gives us in John, and he says this, right? The Holy Spirit is the one that abides with you and he's in you. He is the helper, He is the spirit of truth given to us by God. The Holy Spirit's job is to testify of Jesus, to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, to guide us into all truth. Wow, we have a guide that's going to take us into all truth? How amazing is that when we have tons of untruth, half-truth, mistruth, right? Fake news coming at us. We've got the Holy Spirit who is the spirit of truth and is our guide through this season and through this situation. What a gift to our lives. His job is to testify of Jesus, right? He, he is to speak to us what God is saying. 
He tells us the things to come. He glorifies Jesus. He declares Jesus' words to us. What a friend. What a companion. Right? So truly, truly, he has been given to us as our closest and most intimate friend. The one who will walk with us and direct us and guide us. What a gift the Father has given us. What a gift to give us someone to walk through life with. And that's what you and I have if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You have the Holy Spirit of God and he is in relationship with you. So my question tonight is how is that relationship? Hopefully he's not the one on the other end going, you said you were going to dig in. You said you were going to spend time with me, right? Why don't you ever call? Why don't you ever text? I don't want to live in that kind of relationship with the gift the Father has given me of the Holy Spirit because he is our connection to God. Let's look at that in the scripture. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 12, and I have this up on the overhead. You have your Bible. Please open it there. It's good to see it with your own eyes. It says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Amazing. The Spirit of God searches out the deep things of God and then He takes them and He reveals them to us. He is our connection. Just like nobody knows what's happening on the inside of you except your spirit, in the same way, the Spirit's job is to reveal the heart of the Father to you and I. So you might ask yourself in certain situations in life, what is God's will? What is my purpose? What is my plan? What is the strategy? What is the new idea? Guess who knows? The Holy Spirit. And his job is to take what's in God's heart and reveal it to us. Right? Maybe you're wondering, what are my next steps in a relationship or in a job or in my education, my finance, my marriage, my retirement, my children? We have the Holy Spirit who connects with the heart of the Father and reveals what's on God's heart and God's mind to us. He is our connection to the mind, will, and emotions of the Father. He is the empowerment of God for the believer. Right? The Holy Spirit is God's power in us to live out the life he's called us to. So, the other side of that is, did you know that just like we can pursue that relationship, we have the ability to diminish that relationship. We have the ability to diminish our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight. Because God is speaking, God is moving, God is acting on our behalf and on our side. Yet we have the power to literally disconnect, to ignore and to shut out the God of the universe. Isn't that a crazy thought? But it's our choice. 
So I want to read to you this scripture. Tonight we're talking about don't grieve. Do not grieve him, the Holy Spirit, in our life. Ephesians 4.30 says this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So we have the ability, Paul is writing here, that we have the ability to grieve the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about that word just for a minute so that we're on the same page. So that when I say grieve, you know what I mean, and we're understanding as we go through this. Right? To grieve it simply means to bring sorrow, to bring sadness. Right? Some of the translations actually say to make sad. Do not make the Holy Spirit sad. Do not bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. And so we have the ability to do that in our life. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. God can be sad? I mean, first of all, that's a whole new idea for me, Pastor Teresa. God can be sad? Isn't he always happy? Well, that should set you free a little bit. You know why? Because you might feel an obligation to always be happy because you're a Christian. God didn't create you to be in an always happy mode, right? The joy of the Lord is your strength, yeah. But we also have emotions, happiness and sadness. God does too. Now you're like, How do, I'm not sure about that. Well, I'm going to show you in the scripture. Don't just believe me, okay? So let's walk through some examples where we see this happening in the word of God. Genesis 6.6, 6, way back in the beginning. Genesis 6.6 6 says this. The Lord was sorry he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. Right in the beginning, God's heart was grieved. If you look at the verse before that, it says this. Why? Because every intent of the thought of man's heart was only evil. Man had a problem in his heart. And the evil intent of the heart of man grieved the heart of his creator, grieved the heart of God. Isaiah 63.10. Isaiah 63.10 says, But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore he turned himself to become their enemy. He fought against them. Right here, Israel is in the midst of God's provision, God's presence. God was taking care of them. And you know what they did? They turned to other things. They got distracted. And that distraction, that turning of their heart, made God's heart sad. It grieved God. Again, in Psalm 78, 40, it says, How often they provoked him in the wilderness. Talking about the children of Israel. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. If you read the Old Testament stories of the Exodus, you'll see in Judges and all of those books, you'll see how often God's heart was grieved and saddened by his people. Why? Because they did not remember him. They did not remember. It says right there in two verses down, Psalm 78, 42, they did not remember his power. You and I have access to the power of God. We got that access when we became believers and followers in Jesus Christ. We have access to that same power, but not accessing it will grieve the heart of God. So yes, God has emotions. The Holy Spirit can be made sad by what you and I do. 
So Paul here, as he writes this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He's writing this in the book of Ephesians. Now, the book of Ephesians was not just a letter to that one church. The book of Ephesians is what's known as a circular letter. The job, the letter was written so that it would be sent from church to church to church to church. So he writes this letter intending to deliver a message to the entire known church of that time. He wants everybody to hear this. So this is a letter for all of the church, right? All of the church. And he's saying, do not grieve. He's telling them what they have the ability to do. Now, you and I might imagine, right? We might think of, when we think about grieving, what grieves the heart of God, we might think it's those unbelievers. It's the unsafe people who are living in darkness and living in sin and making wrong choices and making bad decisions. That's got to grieve the heart of God. They are the problem. They are the one who are breaking, who is breaking God's heart. And we may even judge them they need to change, they need, they need, looking outside of us at other people's problems, not looking on the inside. But you know what the truth is, when we do that, we miss the mark. Does that mean it doesn't break God's heart, what's happening? The sin in the world, absolutely it breaks God's heart. It breaks his heart that people live in darkness. It breaks his heart that people live in sin. And God will judge them. And you know the judgment that he wants to bring them is the judgment of Jesus. He wants to call them righteous. He wants to invite them into his family. He wants to draw them into that price that was played by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is his desire for the world, not to judge their actions, but to draw them to the love of God. That is what it's. So sometimes we get that confused. We judge them and then we think we're okay. But Paul changes that. He switches that up. He clarifies that for us. In the letter to the Church of Corinthians, you know, when we're talking about correcting the church, we often go to Corinthians because they had a ton of problems, right? They were the super messed up version of the church. So in 1 Corinthians 5.12, he says this. He writes to the church about their focus, about them looking and judging others. He says, for what have I? He was an apostle, and he says, even what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? He's telling them, stop focusing on other people's sin. The real problem is what's happening when believers stop the power of God. Because when we walk in the power that we've been given, The outside world will see that and they'll be drawn in. That's our job, right? That's our job as saints of the Most High God. 2 Timothy 3.5 says it like this about us. Having a form of godliness. We're all in church tonight, right? Form of godliness. But the problem is when we deny its power, right? And it says here, from such people... Turn away. Judgment must begin with the house of God. You and I as believers must first judge our own heart before we do anything else. It's our relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is the power of God released on the earth through us to a lost and dying world. His love is going to come through us to others. So it is possible for you and I to break that relationship, to deny the power. When I hear these things, when I read these things, my heart breaks. And you know what my heart says? Oh God, not I. Is it me, Lord? 
open up and sincere with the Holy Spirit, not just assuming, oh, yeah, I got it together. Right? He wants us to come so that he can do the work that he needs to do. So tonight as we go through some of these things that grieve the Holy Spirit, don't come at it with head knowledge. Oh, yeah, that's inf information. That's interesting. That's interesting. But as we go through these things, ask the Spirit of God. Right now, he's actively moving in our midst. Is it me, Lord? Do I need to change? Do I need to repent? Have I gotten a little off track in an area of my life? Let's do that together. And let's listen to what God has to say to us. So right before this scripture about grieving the Holy Spirit, Paul writes in verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. And to edify means to build up. Okay, in case you didn't know, it means to build up. Right, as good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. I just love that passage. Grace in our church, we've defined it two ways, right? God's sovereign divine ability to get the job done on our behalf when we can't do it. And also God's power in us to do what his truth demands of us. Wait a minute, do you mean my words can give people the grace that they need to walk how you have asked them to walk? Yes, absolutely. Our words can give grace. Why? Because words, God designed words with tremendous power. So I think the first thing that Paul would say to us in grieving the Holy Spirit in this passage is, hey, saint, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Because words have power. Words can build people from the inside out. We often try to change people's actions, and God's like, it's about the words. It's about transformation from the inside out, right? When it goes in, it makes a permanent change, not just an outward change, right? When God wanted to create the universe, when he took his creative ideas and he wanted to do it, what's the first thing God does? He speaks. And God said. And what happened? His power comes and does what it needs to do. When you believed and you first followed Jesus, what did you do? You believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth. Those words had the power to completely transform you and take you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Words have power. Maybe you've heard it said when I was a kid, people used to say this, I don't know if they still do, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Lie! Well, the first, you know, sticks and stones may break your bones, that part's true. But words will never hurt you? Absolutely that's a lie, because God has given us words to create. Words have power. You may have a word that somebody's spoken to you young, that you've actually had to struggle getting that thought out of your mind and out of your life. You've had to offer it to God a lot because you believed it so much. Your, your, your wounds on your body heal, your bruises heal, your cuts heal, your scraped knees heal, but in your soul, that word, oh, because words have power, right? And God created it that way. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Either way, Words can give life and create that in our world or death and create that in our world. So it's important that we watch our mouth. 
We have to watch what we do with our words so that we don't grieve, stop, sadden the power of God. Matthew 5.22 says this, but if I say, but I say, this is Jesus, by the way, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. Then listen to this. And if you curse someone, you are danger of the fires of hell. Jesus was talking about their words because he understood that words have power. So what is it that we're saying, saints? What are we saying? What are we speaking? What are we saying to our brothers and sisters in Christ? What are we saying to our family, to our children, to our spouse? What are we saying to our colleagues? What are we saying to the people in our world? Are we releasing the life of God and releasing the power of the Holy Spirit, letting his kingdom come? Or are we stopping God's power because we're not watching our mouth? You know, there's a beautiful example of this as you go throughout the Bible. You ever notice that God is always changing people's names? Abram, Abraham. Sarai, Sarah. Jacob became Israel. This is like a Bible test here. Saul became, right? Simon became. Why? Because those are words. And words create. God created words as a vehicle for creating. And as he changes the names, there's a different word being spoken over them. Now, I don't want you to be jealous of all those people we just named. They all got new names. So do you. Open your Bible to Revelations chapter 2. We're going to read verse 16 and 17 together, just so you're not jealous of all of them. Verse 16 says like this, repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Stop right there. How does God fight? Oh, words. The sword of his words, ladies and gentlemen. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name will be written, which no one knows except him who receives it. God has a new name for you too. So how do we watch our mouth? We run our words through our best friend, through our gift, through the Holy Spirit who is with us always. He's there. He sensitized us. We know when we've spoken something, we're like, oh, shouldn't have said that. We know that those words weren't death and not life, right? But we're not going to grieve him because we intend in our heart, Holy Spirit, make my words life-giving, grace-giving, releasing of your power on the earth. So back to Ephesians chapter 4, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So watching our mouth. The second thing Paul tells us is in the next verse, right there in verse 31. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander 
be put away from you with all malice. Wait, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander? What do all of these things have in common? They all are heart issues. They come from our heart. Right? So the second thing I see here in terms of grieving the Holy Spirit is that you and I have to guard our heart. We have to guard our heart. Emotions are a gift from God to you. Now, if your emotions tend to go like this, you might feel like, that's not a gift. But they really are. They are a gift of God to us. Why? Because they help us see where we can't see. We can, it would be nice if we could just open our soul, fix all the broken pieces, and be done, right? Go on with life. But God didn't make it like that. And so he gave us emotions. Emotions reflect not what happened to us, but what's happening in us. Right? What's happening in us tells us what's going on on the inside. So they help us to see where we can't see. Now the thing is, emotions are indicators. They're not dictators. They're like a car. You drive a car and it has a bunch of indicators. There's the gas indicator, right? There's the speed indicator. There's the blinkers, which are called your indicators, right? And they, they help us to know what's happening on the inside of the car where we can't see. It's the same thing with our emotions. When we experience an emotion, instead of letting it guide our life, well, you made me angry, sad, mad, frustrated, and then we act out on it, really we go, oh, what's going on on the inside of me that caused that to happen, right? Pastor Deborah likes to say this. When somebody spits on you, they don't make you mad, they make you wet, right? I mean, I had... Personally, in my own life, I've been spit on in the face twice. In both situations, I was a young missionary telling people about Jesus, and they didn't want to hear, I guess. So, but they didn't make me mad. They didn't make me a little grossed out, but they didn't make me mad. Right, because it was a reflection of what was happening on the inside, because those are indicators. They're not meant to be dictators in our life. What do they indicate? They indicate the state of our soul. The state of our soul is a result of what we've been feeding it. You heard that saying, garbage in, garbage out, right? The state of our soul. If my emotions are all over the place and negative emotions like slander and malice and gossip and all of these things that Paul writes about are what's coming out of me, it's because of what I'm putting in me. What am I letting into my eye gate? What am I letting into my ear gate, right? What is it that I'm feeding myself? Has this whole series of stay at home and the coronavirus, right, and all of the justice rallies and the parades and the riots that have been happening and all of this happening in our nation, have you been feeding yourself on that? It's one thing to stay aware, right? Once a day, once every couple of days you go in, what's happening on the news, this is what the governor said, this is what's been happening, I know how to pray, I know how, what's going on, I'm in the know, or is it 12 hours a day, all day long? Feeding, 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 feeding. And then somebody pushes a button and you react. Because why? We've been feeding our soul, which shouldn't be feeding our soul. What are we letting into our eyes and to our ears? That's going to be the state of our soul, right? You and I are here in church tonight feeding our soul because we already understand that principle. We understand getting into the presence of God is doing some good for my soul. Worshiping my King of Kings is doing some good for my soul. Eating the Word of God is feeding and strengthening and healthy to my soul so that when those emotions come out, 
I can with maturity look at them and ask the Holy Spirit why. Now that takes a level of maturity, a level of spiritual maturity to respond, to know what's happening on the inside and go, I'm not going to react, but I'm going to ask why. Why are these things coming out of what's inside of me? So they're indicators and they're not dictators. When we have emotions, we have a choice. Will we look at them with maturity and ask the Holy Spirit, what's in me that's blocking your work, that's causing me to rise up in these ways that grieve you? Rise up with bitterness, rising up with wrath, rising up with anger, rising up with clamor and slander, clamor and slander the things that I don't want to come out of me. Right? Put them away. We have a choice. And that's what Paul's telling us. To with maturity, put those things away so that we do not grieve the Spirit of God. Because God has better for us. And his best is for us not to release what we're feeling, but to release his kingdom into our world. So verse 32, the next verse says it like this. Be kind. Instead of all of those things, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Right? Forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you. So what's the anecdote? What's the cure? It's to rise up in the opposite spirit. That's what we do in the kingdom of God. Right? We rise up. We see that, ooh, that was anger. I'm feeling anger. What's the opposite of that? Right? Coming at it with goodness. Coming at it with kindness. The opposite spirit. You know, Michelle Obama popularized a phrase. It went like this. When they go low, we go high. Right? That's not just her phrase. That's a biblical principle. Proverbs 15.1 says it like this. A soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. So wrath with a soft answer will turn it away. But wrath, with a harsh answer, will stir it up and make it worse. Right? We come at those emotions that are not pleasing to God with the opposite spirit. So it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. And then it says, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Hmm. When I read that, my first question was, so how did God forgive me? He forgave me generously. He forgave me with no limits, with no restrictions, with no expectations. He forgave me not because I earned it, not because I deserved it. He forgave me because of who he is, because he made a way, because he paid the price, because he laid down his life, right? Because I have value in his eyes, not because I deserved it or earned it. That's how God forgave me. So I'm supposed to forgive others in that way. Right. So forgiveness should be the default mode of the Christian. When, when in doubt, forgive. When you're not sure, forgive. It's our default mode because we don't do things like the world. We don't wait till people deserve it or earned it or it looks like they've changed and transformed. Forgiveness is not something people earn. Forgiveness is not something people deserve. Forgiveness is you and I letting go of intentional and unintentional offenses. We have to let them go. Why? Because we release that person from standing 
between me and God. I don't want anybody between me and God. I don't want anybody affecting my ability to hear what the Spirit of God is revealing to me from the throne room of God, from the heart of God. I don't want anybody clouding that vision. And when we have unforgiveness, there is somebody between me and God. And you know what? I'm going to release them because I don't want them in my way of the connection with the Father. It's like this. I don't know about you, but when I change elevation, my ears can get plugged. Anybody ever had that experience? Whether it be up a small hill or on a player plane or just the elevation, the altitude change can cause my ears to get plugged. And I dislike that experience. Why? Because I feel foggy. Because I, people are talking to me and I hear them, but I don't like feel like I'm there. I'm somewhere else. I'm disconnected. I'm disoriented. Nothing feels right. I'm not attached to the life that I'm living because there's this fog in my brain. Unforgiveness does that to us. We know God is there and he's speaking, but something just isn't right. Because there's something between us and our Father. We're holding what we have no right to hold doesn't matter what it was. We have no right to hold it against them. Unforgiveness grieves the Holy Spirit because you and I, if we do not forgive, we are placing a guilty verdict on somebody's life. Instead of letting God be the judge, we have judged them. And the Word of God tells us, in Romans, God, that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. That's his job. And when we take God's job, we stand and inhibit our own life from being in relationship with God. Our communication with him is inhibited. Luke 6.37 says it like this. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. How do we not grieve the Holy Spirit in our life? We release people from our personal judgment. And you know what happens when people know they're released? They'll open up. It gives them an opportunity. It makes a way because nobody's holding them. Open up and begin to let God work in ways that he couldn't work before. We release God's power on the earth. So forgiveness is releasing someone from your own personal judgment. Taking your judgment off of someone doesn't mean you agree with what they did, what they said, how they are, what are their choices. It simply means that you will not act as their judge. You will not pronounce the guilty verdict on them because that is God's role and not ours. So do not grieve. Do not grieve my gift to you, God says, the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We release people so that there's no hindrance between me and the gift of God that I have been, received, that I have been given. I guard my heart so that I can hear and know what the Holy Spirit is doing. Making sure that what I'm putting in is healthy and wholesome so that I'm not 
have all this mix of emotions on the inside that prevent me from hearing and following the voice of God. And I watch my mouth so that I'm releasing the goodness and the power of God into my world. So that Jesus' prayer, how he told us to pray, can actually happen. When his disciples asked him, teach us how to pray, he said, and most of us can quote it, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. That's our job, to be proclaimers of the powerful word of his kingdom, his goodness, his provision, his salvation, his healing, his hope, his light, his faith in the world. In order to do that well, we can't stop the power of God in our life, but we must let his power go through us to the world around us. So let's not grieve the spirit of God, but let him do what he was here to do, to speak the words of Jesus, to be our guide, to be the one who declares truth in our life and leads us in guiding us. So you and I, in conclusion, we need to recognize who we are. Our position as children and friends of God. That means that we have the ability to grieve God. We can bring him sadness but we can also have a genuine heart's desire, right? To be a source of joy to God and not of sadness. I know that's my desire. I wanna be a source of joy to my Father and not of sadness. I wanna bring, right, an open vessel that he can work in and through to the world around me. So tonight my invitation to every one of you in this room is to be sincere. Like I asked you at the beginning of this message. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right now. And yes, I'm talking to you if you're with the sound of my voice. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit a question. What in me is grieving you, Holy Spirit? What in me is grieving you? Just listen. Don't pray. Don't sing, don't worship, just listen to what the Holy Spirit says. If he spoke something to you, he's still speaking something to you, and you have your phone and you want to type it out on a note or a piece of paper, or you want to share it person next to you so that you don't forget and you're responsible with the word that he's revealed to me, that thing that he's revealed to you, then take a minute and do that now. every area of our life we can be sincere and open with the Holy Spirit it's a beautiful question it's not a question about condemnation 
It's just like when somebody comes to you in sincerity, they're like, what am I doing wrong? How can I be better? What do I need to change? Doesn't that just make your heart happy? Because of the beautiful openness. It makes the Holy Spirit happy when you and I come and say, I don't want to grieve you. I want to be open to your work in the world so that you can be and do all of the things that you dream of being and doing through me in this life. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.